It's Daily Thunder, the truth of Jesus Christ dished out live every morning from the Ellerslie campus in Windsor, Colorado with a bit of manly grit and gusto. Find out more at live.ellerslie.com. Now, here's Nathan Johnson. Uh, we've been walking through Ephesians chapter 1 over the last, I don't know, several months. And uh, we're all the way up to verse 9, which is exciting. Uh, we're, we're progressing. This is wonderful. And uh, I don't know about you, but there's just some phenomenal depth uh, in Scripture. And obviously there's, we've talked about this before, but there's, there's layers of, scripture, uh, of study that you can do in Scripture. In other words, you, you can, you know, stand back and see the global whole, which really you need to do. That is so phenomenal. I think it's so important for our Christian lives and just the edification just to see what, what is God doing in the totality of Scripture. But it's like you can then zoom in on one particular book and look at that book as a whole Uh, Which is really just, it's really impactful to realize, okay, this is what that book is being written for. Here's the purpose of that book. But then you could zoom in even more and look at each section, or you can zoom in even more and look at each paragraph. Or you can do what we're doing in Ephesians and basically just walk through it verse by verse. And it's been amazing to me as, as I've been walking through the book of Ephesians, just the profound richness of this book. Uh, Did you know that Ephesians is one of the few books that Paul wrote that is not a correction letter? I think that's significant. Most of his letters, you know, like Corinthians, right? Corinth is going berserko. And so Paul writes this book called Corinthians to say, stop doing all that. Now live unto Jesus Christ. But Ephesians, Ephesians has none of that kind of stuff. It's like Ephesians, Paul is stepping back going, oh, let me just talk about the wonder of Jesus Christ. Let me just talk about the realities of the gospel. Let me just delight myself in, in this central focus of our life, which is Jesus Christ. And he writes this incredible book called Ephesians. So if you're to like get to the very heart of Paul, of <clears throat> just his passion and his desire for the church, his passion and his desire for Jesus Christ, uh, Ephesians is a great book to look at. Uh, so we've been in this blessing section uh, that starts in verse 3 and goes down to verse 14. Now we've been specifically uh, looking at verses 7 through 12, which is the blessings we have in the Son. Uh, speaking of Jesus Christ. And what I would like to do is uh, pick up at verse 7 and read down to verse 10. So if you have your Bibles, Ephesians chapter 1, starting with verse 7. Uh, Paul writes, In him, speaking of Jesus, we have redemption through his blood and the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished, dumped, poured forth, lavished on us and all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself, as a plan for the fullness of time, to unite all things in Christ, which are on heaven and on earth. Amen. Now look at verse 9 again. Paul says that he is making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself. Uh, last, last week we were looking at verse 8, and it's interesting in verse 8, uh, Paul is using the language that not only has he lavished this grace, this richness of his grace upon us, but he has lavished his grace upon us in all wisdom and insight. And if you happen to listen to that message, the idea of insight, and I'll just read the definition, but insight deals with thinking, the capacity to understand, or the practical knowledge of that which concerns us. In other words, isn't it a phenomenal thought that God has given you the ability to understand, to reason, and to think? 
Good morning. <laughs> this is good news, right? And the word wisdom, it's interesting that, so insight has this idea of the, the capacity to understand, the, the ability to reason and understand. But wisdom has this idea, it's the Greek word Sophia. It's the idea, it's one way you can understand the idea of wisdom is the deep things of God. Uh, another way you can understand is, is gaining God's perspective on whatever it is. And I don't know about you, but I look at my life and I desperately need insight and wisdom. I need the ability to reason. I need the capacity to understand what God's doing. And, and not just the ability to understand, I need his perspective. I need his mind. I need his thought process on my life. See, I, I want to understand the deep things of God in my life. And you recognize that is all available to you in Christ Jesus. Oh, that's so encouraging. Now, I mentioned this last week, but as you look at the flow of chapter 1, it's interesting that what Paul is saying is that he has given you wisdom and insight so that you could understand this mystery. So if you go back to verse 9 again, look at verse 9. I think this is so neat. Paul says he's making known to us the mystery of his will. And this, this unveiling of the mystery is his good pleasure. This is his delight. He is excited and delighted for you to know this mystery. Now, uh, when you get in, getting back into the Greek culture of, of Paul's day, you realize there are two different kinds of ways to understand a mystery. Uh, one is this idea of an initiation. Uh, for example, when I was a little kid, I used to do like illusions, little magic tricks. And they were cheesy. I, I get that. Uh, but, you know, as a little kid, you're like, oh, I got a car trick. You know, and you go, up to, you go up to everybody you know, and you're like, I got this car trick, pick a card, you know, all this kind of stuff. And you get done, and someone's like, whoa, how'd you do that? I can't tell you. It's a mystery. Now, it's, it's not that nobody knows how to do the card trick, obviously, because <laughs> I just did the card trick. But yet you, but, but you were not initiated into the special club called knowing how to do the card trick. And therefore, pst, you're, you're out. That was actually the Greek understanding of mystery. The Greek understanding then is, is this initiation into a special club, and if you are in the club, we'll reveal it to you. But if you're not in the club, pst, we're kicking you out. That's not this idea here in the Scripture. Uh, the other way you understand this idea of mystery is that it's only a mystery as long as you don't understand. As long as you don't know the mystery. I've never gone on a safari, but I have gone to the zoo. They're different, I know that. But it's the closest thing I can get to a lion right now. Uh, so I go down to the zoo, and, and I'm standing, I'm standing at, the, at the wall, and I'm looking into the lion enclosure thing. And I'm envisioning myself on safari, and I have my safari hat, and, and I'm starting to speak in a, in a kind of a British accent, because that makes it sound more safari-ish in my head. And, I, and I'm looking, I'm looking for the lion. Now, I know the lion's in there. I know that. The sign says there's a lion in there. And I can't see it. Oh, it's a mystery. He's hidden. No. I mean, yes, but no. Yes, it's a mystery, because I can't see it. But it's not a mystery, because the moment someone goes, see that little blump right there? Yeah, in, 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 in all those weeds, you know, that little yellow little back thing? That's his back. And suddenly, that which has been hidden has been revealed, and now I, whoo, I get it. That's more of this idea. Does that make sense? 
In other words, <clears throat> there's this mystery that God has for you. But it's not that he just, he's hiding this mystery, saying, ha, 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 good luck if you can find it. I'll, I'll, only, I'll only give you the mystery if you can be initiated into this little club. Hey, you could, you, could, you could understand the mystery if you pay the preacher $50, which you would understand the mystery at that point, I'm pretty sure. We should try it. <laughs> but that's not this idea in Scripture. The idea in Scripture is it's only a mystery. It only doesn't make sense. It's only hidden as long as you don't see it, as long as it's not been revealed. You realize he wants to reveal the mystery to you. It's been out in the open this entire time. It's just been sitting right over here in some bushes. And yet we've always walked past it. We've never seen it. Until one day we go, whoa, 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 what is that? And suddenly this grand mystery begins to open up before us, and we go, no way. Do you realize that from all, from all time, there has been a mystery hidden, Paul says, from ages and generations, but has now been revealed. It's been sitting out there in the open this whole time. And now we look upon it and we go, yeah, that's been there this whole time. I just never saw it before. You realize that God doesn't hide himself from you? Now, maybe I should say it this way. He wants to be found. He wants you to pursue him. But it's not like he's hiding. Have you ever played hide and seek with like a five-year-old? Now, when my little niece was you know, five, six. In fact, we did, I think we did this this last Christmas. She loves to play hide-and-go-seek. And she'll be like, Uncle Nathan, let's play hide-and-go-seek. You start. All right. And so, you know, I'll, I'll start counting. One, two. And I'm hearing her. <laughs> you know, and she's scurrying around. And inevitably, you know, like the classic place to hide as a little kid is behind the curtains. Why? I don't know. <laughs> right? Uh, but you can see their feet. Right? Because their feet stick out underneath the curtain. The curtain's here, and the curtain's shaking because they're kind of giggling, and they're not trying to laugh. I mean, they're trying, they're trying, they're trying to hold it in. They're just... <laughs> and it's like, right or not, here I come. Now, I stand up. I know where she's at. I can hear it. <laughs> I can see little feet. But I'm going to play along, of course. You know, I'm like, where's Paisley? And I'll start opening up cabinet doors. And, you know, I'm like, oh, no, I think we've lost her forever. And <clears throat> Do you realize that it's not that God plays hide and seek. You understand that? But he wants you to find him. But it's not like he's, like, has dug a hole and then, you know, you know put this cover on top so you really can't find him. It's like he's standing behind the curtains and his feet are sticking out, and the thing is shaking, and he's like, I'm back here. <laughs> I, I think it's in the Proverbs that says that it's God's delight to hide a matter. It's a king's delight to search it out. There are things that he, he purposely keeps a mystery. Why? Because there's something, there's the delight, there's this nobility for us to discover, for this thing to be unveiled. And he wants us to pursue him. How many times in scripture have you, have you heard that idea of seek and you will find? Hey, pursue. I, lo I love what Hebrews 11.6 says. It says that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Do you get that? There's a promise in scripture that if you would diligently go after God, he will reward that. Isn't that an exciting thought? Now, it's not just if you will seek him one time, 
it is prefaced by the idea that you're going to diligently seek him. That you're going to aggressively go after him. That you're going to give your whole life to one single thing. And as you aggressively, diligently seek, he will reward that. Uh, Matthew 6, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. So the, all throughout scripture, there's this idea that, that there should be a drive in our life, that there should be this pursuit of him. Oh, is it because he's hidden? No. I mean, yeah, he, he hides himself in one sense because he wants you to seek it out. He wants you to pursue him. On the other hand, it's out in, he's out in wide, oh, he's, he's out in the open. He's like, I'm right here, come seek me. Isn't that exciting? That he, he hasn't hidden himself. He, he's not just saying, hey, good luck if you can find me. He wants you to find him. He, he wants you to pursue. And he has this mystery, says Paul. And there's this mystery that's hanging out there, and he wants you to know that mystery. In fact, he has given you the wisdom and the insight to know that mystery. Hey, you have the capacity to understand. Hey, you have the revelation, his perspective. You have the deep things of God to ascertain and understand this grand mystery. Oh, that's good. So the question then becomes, (laughs) how is the mystery revealed? Well, if you flip over a page to Ephesians chapter 3, Paul actually mentions how this mystery is revealed. In Ephesians 3, verse 3 through 5, <coughs> Paul says, How that by revelation, get this, revelation, he may known to me the mystery, as I have written briefly already, by which when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which in other ages has not been made known to the sons of men, but it is now revealed by the Spirit to his holy apostles and prophets. Do you realize that there is this revelation by the Spirit of God that gives you insight, gives, it unveils the mystery? Does that make any sense? In other words, you will not discover and understand the mystery by your own intellect. Hey, you are not going to discover and, and understand the mystery because of your good looks. Hey, you're not going to grab a hold of and say, oh, I, I have the mystery because I've got a lot of talent. The only way you're actually going to grab a hold of and understand the mystery that's just hidden in plain view is that the Spirit of God has to open your eyes. That the Spirit has to do something within you where you, where you, you get it. Don't you want that? Now that begs the question in my mind, what is the mystery itself? Now I'm going to give you a whole bunch of verses. Because Paul just, oh, he loves this mystery language. In fact, he, he uses this mystery language in a lot of his letters. But let me just give you his whole list. <clears throat> and I'm just going to read them to you really quick. Um, I just read the Ephesians 3, 3 through 5 verse. But that, that he's been given this mystery. And again, this mystery <coughs> excuse me, has been revealed by the Spirit, by his holy apostles and prophets. And a couple of verses later, in Ephesians 3, verses 8 and 9, he begins to unveil what that mystery is. He says, to me, who am less than the least of all the saints, this grace was given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery. There's a fellowship of this mystery. He says, which from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God who created all things through Jesus Christ. And he goes on and begins to describe the fact that the Gentiles are fellow heirs with the Jews. Do you know how crazy that is? God had one chosen people. 
Now, it's interesting when you look at the promise that God gave Abraham in Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. The promise given to Abraham is that through you, all the nations will be blessed. Well, it was interesting by the time he got to the, to the days of Jesus, is that in the mind of the Jew, the reason God had selected Abraham is not so that Abraham would be a blessing to the world, it's so that Abraham would be a blessing to Abraham. In other words, God has selected the Jews, the Jews are a special group, and actually, it's fascinating, we'll get to this when we get to chapter 2 of Ephesians, but the mindset of the Jew during the time of Jesus, during the time of Paul, of what the Gentiles were for, in the mind of the Jew, the only reason why God created the Gentiles was that the Gentiles were going to be the fuel for the fires of hell. Bless the Lord. That's not nice. I mean, that's intense. So God selected us, his chosen people. Well, why did he create you? Well, something has to fuel hell. So that's what you're for. (laughs) And the Jews missed it. Because the promise that God actually gave to Abraham is, is not that, well, you are special because you are special. In fact, over and over and over throughout the prophets, God says, hey, I'm going to redeem you. Why? Not because of you. Hey, you have rebelled, oh, my people. I'm going to redeem you for my sake. And the whole purpose of Abraham, Abraham is going to receive the blessing so that when the world looked upon Abraham and the blessing of God's people, the world would look at that and say, I want in on that. I, I, I need your God. In fact, that's what Rahab did. Remember Rahab the prostitute? She's in this town called Jericho. And these two spies come in, and she goes, hey, we, hey, I've heard about your God. I know all the stuff that's going on, and we know that you're going to come in and destroy this place. I want what you have. Hey, can, can, I, can I guard and protect you? Hey, would you save me and my family's life? And they say yes. Did you know that Rahab, a Gentile, prostitute, got to be in the family line of Jesus? Isn't that an amazing thought? And you're like, well, how on earth did she sneak in? She didn't. Because that's the promise. That when the world looked at what was going on in the life of Abraham and the chosen people, they would want in on that. And so here we are during the time of Paul, and Paul says, hey, I know that your mindset is that as a Jew, the only purpose for the Gentiles was fuel for the fires of hell. But you know what God has done? He has united the two. He's broken down the wall of division. And now the Gentiles, those Gentiles, can you believe, do you know who the Gentiles are? You. The Gentiles, right? (laughs) We're the Gentiles. Don't look at me this way. We're Gentiles, right? (laughs) That the Gentiles get to be grafted in, and now we get to participate. We get to have relationship. Hey, we get to experience everything that a natural Natural born experiences because we are now heirs. We are adopted as children of God. Paul says, this is a mystery. (laughs) This is crazy, says Paul. But that's what God is doing. And the reality of the mystery of what God is desiring to do, what is this mystery that has always been hidden from ages and generations? Well, that the Gentiles are going to be fellow heirs with the Jews. And again, if you want a phenomenal study, you need to listen to Sandy's study. And since she just showed up, I think she should come up and teach. Just kidding. <laughs> but Sandy has this phenomenal study that she just really walks through all of Scripture revealing this reality of life 
The promise that was given to Abraham in, in Genesis 12, 1 through 3. It's literally the, it's like the undercurrent for all of scripture. It is amazingly beautiful. And I get to participate. I get to have relationship. Why? Because of Abraham. And I got to be grafted in. Paul says that's a mystery. Uh, in uh, Ephesians chapter 5, 31 through 33, Paul talks about the mystery. He's, he's talking about the husbands and wives thing. And at the very end, he says, For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and shall be joined to his wife, and the two shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery, says Paul. But I'm speaking about Christ and the church. Well, I thought you just said it was Gentiles and Jews. Yeah. But here he's talking about the fact that you realize that marriage, this coming together of, of a man and a woman, is a picture of the realities of heaven. Of Christ, the groom, and his bride, the church. Oh, that's a phenomenal mystery, says Paul. And if you want a phenomenal study to do, go through all of Scripture and just see the bridal language. I've been studying out this whole bridal language for about a year now. It is so profound to me. The fact that as you start to look at the parallels of, of Adam and Eve, the, the first couple, the first marriage, and Jesus and his church, the parallels are off the charts. When you look at all that Jesus was doing through his ministry and begin to realize that he was reenacting the whole marriage ceremony in the Jewish culture, it is, it is, it is profound. And Paul says this is a great mystery, that Jesus is coming together with his bride, the church. This is the mystery, says Paul. Now, doesn't that sound different than the other mystery? Well, let's keep going. Uh, Romans chapter 16, verse 25. <clears throat> Paul says, Now to him who is able to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery kept secret since the world began. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 7 and 8. Uh, 1 Corinthians 2 says, but we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. Oh, so the wisdom of God is a mystery. Yes. The hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for our glory, which none of the rulers of this age knew, for had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Colossians 1, 26 through 27. And you know this well, but the mystery that has been hidden from ages and generations, but now has been revealed to his saints. To them God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles. Which is? I'll tell you. Which is Christ in you. The hope of glory. I find it interesting that as Paul is talking about the mystery, it's like, Paul, you're talking about all these mysteries. No, 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 it's a mystery. It's a singular mystery. And yet it's like this mystery is so grand. It's like this mystery is so great. Paul just goes, how, how do you begin to understand the mystery? How, how, do you, how do you comprehend the greatness of this thing? And it's like he begins in all these different books trying to describe just the, the depth of this mystery. Well, it's, it's the Gentiles becoming heirs. Yeah. Well, it's, it's Christ marrying the church. Yeah. It's, it's us being filled with the Spirit of God. Yes. Well, that sounds like different mysteries. No, it's one mystery. In fact, go back in our passage in Ephesians chapter 1. <clears throat> if you look at the context of Ephesians chapter 1, again in verse 9 he says, 
that he is making known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself. Now get this, verse 10. As a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in Christ, which are in heaven and which are on earth. Do you know, do you know what's taking place in this mystery according to chapter 1? It's like there's this big funnel, and everything is coming down. Everything is being squeezed. Everything is coming to a focal point. What's the focal point? Jesus. Uh, in the context of, of, of uh, Ephesians chapter 1, in this blessing section, and I keep saying this over and over, but every single blessing that you have from God only finds its fulfillment in Jesus Christ. If this is not Jesus plus a blessing. This isn't Jesus plus anything. It is Jesus and Jesus alone. And the blessings that we have in God is in Jesus. Our adoption is in Jesus. Our forgiveness is in Jesus. Our redemption, Jesus. You being chosen, Jesus. Hey, the grace of God poured out lavishly on your life, Jesus. That when God wants to bless you, he doesn't say, oh, I have this pill for you. Hey, when God wants to bless you, he doesn't say, oh, I have a Christmas gift. When God wants to bless you, do you know what he gives you? Jesus. It's pretty simple, isn't it? So when I need love, what do I get? I don't get love, I get Jesus, who becomes my love. Hey, when I need peace, what does God give me? He doesn't give me peace, he gives me Jesus, who is the Prince of Peace, and he becomes my peace. Hey, when I need joy, I don't get a tablet called joy. I get Jesus, who is the fullness of joy. And he becomes my joy. That in Jesus, according to 2 Peter 1.3, are all things that we need for life and for godliness. That you and I do not need anything outside of Jesus. That if we had Jesus, we have everything we need. That's encouraging. Because that tells me the moment I have Jesus, oh, I'm fine. The moment I have Jesus, hey, I can relax. Hey, the moment I have Jesus, oh, I'm already blessed. Because what do you need outside of Jesus? Christianity is not Jesus plus something. Christianity is Jesus and getting wrapped up in relationship and intimacy with him. Do you know what the mystery is? What is the mystery that has been hidden from ages and generations and now being revealed? Jesus. But when we talk about the mystery, the mystery is so grand. I mean, it is so immense. Paul says, I am just, I am, whoa, I'm just, my mind is just, whoa, I don't even know how to talk about it. He's like, there's so, many, there's so many layers of depth to this mystery. That Jesus and the fullness of the reality of Jesus is so grand. It's just, I mean, it's a marriage thing. Well, it's beyond a marriage thing. The Gentiles are getting, it's even beyond that. Christ is living in you. I mean, this is, how do you begin to talk about a mystery like this? Because the mystery, it's like the more you get into the mystery, the more the mystery begins to expand. Ask Sandy. The more she has studied this idea of the mystery and the life of Christ, the thing gets bigger and bigger and bigger. Hey, the more you get into the word, again, the, it's amazing, isn't it, that the word is shallow enough for a little baby to swim in, yet deep enough to drown an ocean. An ocean. <laughs> drown, a, drown an elephant. <laughs> and an ocean. Because oceans are not that big. Uh, I mean, do you, do you realize that that the Bible is just, the more you get into knowing God, the more you begin to realize he's a lot bigger than you thought he was. And you could give yourself 
I mean, you could diligently go after him 24 hours a day, seven days a week for the rest of your life, and you realize at the end of your life you'll only have maybe, maybe hit the very tippity top of the shaved ice on the tippity top of the iceberg of all there is of God. And you're going to realize the more I go after him, the bigger he gets. The, the more I get to experience him, the bigger he grows. Hey, the more I love him, the, the more I'm realizing my love can expand. And it's like Paul's saying this mystery is so profound that the more I get into the mystery itself, the more the mystery begins to get bigger and bigger and bigger. But God has given us the insight and the wisdom to know this mystery. That he has given you the capacity to understand. He's given you the ability to reason this thing through. He's given you his perspective. And by the revelation of the Spirit of God, he is unveiling, he is revealing this mystery to you. If you're willing to see it. If you have your Bibles, I'd love you to flip over to Romans chapter 11. <coughs> In Romans chapter 11, I've almost come to the point, I think, that if you were to take one passage of Scripture to summarize the entirety of all of Scripture, I think it's this one. That's hard for me to say, but, but I really think Romans chapter 11, uh, verse 36, is kind of the, the uh, if you were to summarize all of Scripture, this, this could be the verse. I really think so. And there's some other good ones, but, but listen to this. Uh, this is Romans 11. I'm going to start reading verse 33. Uh, Paul is kind of bringing into some summary of, of his statement up through chapter 11. And listen to what Paul says. He says, Oh, the depths of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and, unha and unfathomable are his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord or who has become his counselor or who has first given to him and it shall be repaid to him. Now get it. This is the verse. For from him... And through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. It's a great verse. Do you, do you know what the Christian life's all about? It's from him, through him, to him, for his glory. Hey, do you know what the church is supposed to be? The church is from him, through him, to him, for his glory. Hey, do, do you know what Bible study is supposed to be? It's from him, through him, to him, for his glory. Do you know what evangelism is? It's from him, through him, to him, for his glory. Do you, do you know what the family relationship is supposed to be? From him, through him, to him, for his glory. Do, do you know what, when you wake up in the morning, do you know what the first thought in your brain is supposed to be? From him, through him, to him, for his glory. Hey, when you go to sleep at night, the last thought upon your brain should be from him, through him, to him, for his glory. Hey, as you're living every moment of every single day, every thought that comes into your mind, every word that comes out of your lips, every action out of your life should be from him, through him, to him, for his glory. Because the reality is I am in Christ, and Christ is in me, and his life is filling me up, and everything that is going on is from him. Everything is through him and his, the, the sourcing of his power, the, the, the reality of his spirit in my life. And this is all unto him. This is from him. He has given it. Through him, he is empowering it. This is to him for his purpose, his praise, his glory, and his renown. Do you know what the mystery is? Jesus. Because all things are from him, through him, to him, for his praise, his honor, his glory, and his renown. Do you recognize that 
this mystery that Paul is talking about, everything that's been going on in Scripture, everything from the Old Testament to the New Testament, is all about the preeminence of Jesus Christ. It is all about the centrality of Jesus Christ. Everything in the Old Testament and the New Testament has a focal point of one single person. His name is Jesus. And his action upon this cross. And yeah, there's a lot of great history, and there's a lot of great stuff, and there's a lot of encouragement. I, I get all that. But you realize that the reason we have the Old Testament, the reason we have the New Testament, is because it is a revelation of one single person, Jesus. Because this is all from him, through him, to him, for his praise, his honor, and his glory. Do, do you realize that everything that's going on in your life, everything that's going on in the church, everything that goes on in your family, everything that goes on down at your workplace, hey, everything that is, is going on, is supposed to be from him and through him and to him. That, hey, when someone looks at your life, the only explanation for your life is supposed to be Jesus. And again, I keep reading this over and over and over again, but let me just give you this great Major Ian Thomas quote again. Again, Thomas, uh, Ian Thomas quote says, The Christian life can only be explained in terms of Jesus. And if your life as a Christian can still be explained in terms of you, your personality, your willpower, your gift, your talent, your money, your courage, your scholarship, your dedication, your sacrifice, or your anything, then although you may have the Christian life, you are not yet living it. He goes on and says, it has got to become obvious to others that the kind of life that you are living is beyond all human explanation. Do you realize that when someone looks at your life, they shouldn't, they shouldn't know how you're doing it? It should be utterly inexplainable to the world around you. In fact, the only thing they should say is, you must be a Christian. <laughs> because I'm seeing the reality of Christ coming out of your life. It seems like your life is from him, through him, and to him. For his praise, renown, and glory. Do you know what we call people who live like this? Yeah, we call them Christians. What other word could we give them? Paul says in Galatians 2.20 that, I'll, I'll just read this, but I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. It's that whole through me thing, right? And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. You realize that this whole mystery is about a person. His name is Jesus. And there are so many beautiful layers to this mystery. But if you were to summarize the mystery, the entire mystery is Jesus. On every page of the Old Testament, he was there. But we missed him. Why? He wasn't revealed yet. He's now been revealed by the Spirit of God. Which means when you go back into the Old Testament, you begin to see the realities of Jesus Christ. In fact, next week... We're going to take this another step further, and we're going to continue talking about the mystery, but we're going to talk about the mystery in light of the Old Testament. And we're going to go back into the Old Testament, and we're going to walk through the Old Testament saying, now that the mystery's been revealed, do you see him? 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 And we're just going to kind of do a short primer on Jesus in the Old Testament. Because this mystery, which has been hidden from ages and generations, has now been revealed. But let me ask you, are you living this? Or do you just esteem this with words? Yes, it's all about Jesus. Yet my life is supposed to be centered upon Jesus. Yes, my life is supposed to be built upon Jesus. He is the North Star that my compass is supposed to point to. Or is that in reality fact for your life? 
Is it a mere mental assent that you want your life to be built upon Jesus? Is it mere mental assent that's like, well, yeah, my, my, the centrality of my life is Jesus? Okay, let's, let's look at how you spend your money. Let's look at how you spend your time. Let's look at what you talk about. Because the reality is, those three things, how you spend your money, how you spend your time, and what you talk about, tells me what's most important in your life. So if I can just spend a day with you, and I, I see what you're doing, and I see how you spend your time, and you're playing video games all day long, that tells me something about your priorities. Hey, if, if, you're, if you're taking all your money, and you're putting your money toward this activity, that tells me something about your priorities. Hey, if, if all that you talk about is money, or success, or politics, or the government, or whatever, you realize that tells me something about your life and the priorities and the centrality of your life. Wouldn't it be interesting if someone could look at your life, look how you spend money, look how you spend time, and look at what you talk about? And they're like, you, you seem to be obsessed with Jesus. I know. Do you know what we call those people? Yeah, we call those people Christians. Because this whole thing is from him and through him and to him. Could I, could I encourage you? Don't let this merely be a head knowledge thing. Paul in Colossians talks about the fact that the, the supremacy of all things is Jesus Christ. He is to be supreme. He is preeminent. He is the centrality of all things. He is the north star we point our compass to. That the essence of our lives is supposed to be in one direction, Jesus Christ. Is that true in your life? Is that true in how you talk? Is that true in how you think? Is that true in how you spend your money? Is that true in how you spend your time? Because it would make sense, whatever our obsession is, we would give ourselves toward that. Let's pray. Lord, Lord, I admit I, I get distracted. Lord, sometimes what I talk about is a bunch of frivolous nonsense. Lord, I admit at times I spend my money on the most worthless things. Lord, I look at my, how I spend my time, and at times I just wonder, <laughs> what was the point? Lord, what would it look like if my whole life was from you, through you, to you, for your glory? Lord, Lord what would it look like if my whole life was bent? in the direction of Jesus. Lord, what would it look like if the only explanation for how I'm living my life is you? See, Lord, what would it look like if, if every aspect of my life was somehow centered upon you? And, and, I, and I get it, Jesus. I mean, I, I can play disc golf. I, I understand. And hey, and we can have fun, and we can, we can laugh, and we can... But Lord, what if the undercurrent, what if the tenor of everything that I'm doing is you? What, what if the essence of every conversation no matter what topic we are talking about, was you. Lord, what would it look like if how I spent every dollar was truly for your renown and for your glory? See, Lord, what would it look like if my whole life was bent around you? Lord, may the centrality of my life be you because this truly is all from you and through you and to you. And Lord, you have promised that you have given us wisdom and insight and revelation of this mystery. Lord, I pray that you would just somehow expand our understanding. And like Paul, that we may step back and just behold the, the wondrous mystery. That we would just be in awe. And Lord, I, I am 
man, there are so many layers to this thing, and it just seems to be growing in my life and in my mind. Lord, I, I, I need your comprehension. I need your wisdom. I need your insight in order to grab a hold of this thing because I am not smart enough. So, Lord, I just pray that you would increase our wisdom, our capacity for understanding and the revelation, this mystery of who you are because the mystery is you itself. That you are the grand mystery hidden from ages and generations but now has been revealed. Lord, may our whole lives be wrapped up in this mystery. And Lord, somehow could you, could you take every aspect of our days and as we look back at, at a summary of our lives, may the summary of our lives be from you, through you, to you, for your praise, honor, glory, renown. Thank you for such an opportunity. We love you, Jesus. Let's give the praise and the glory in your precious name. Amen. Daily Thunder is a production of Ellerslie Discipleship Training and the Bravehearted Media Group. At Ellerslie, we are laboring to rouse the Church of Jesus Christ out of its lethargy and see it once again gain the stride of the Spirit emboldened and brave. The Daily Thunder video stream can be watched live daily at 8.15 a.m. Mountain Time, Monday through Saturday, and 7.15 a.m. on Sunday mornings. Join us at live.ellerslie.com. Please consider booking a stopover at the lovely Ellerslie campus at the foot of the majestic Rocky Mountains for one day, one week, one semester, or for an entire season. We hope to see you someday soon live and in person. Thanks for listening.